Psalms 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky displays his handiwork. Day after day it speaks out, and night after night it reveals his greatness. There is no actual speech or word, nor is its voice literally heard. Yet its voice echoes throughout the earth, its words carry to the distant horizon. In the sky he has pitched a tent for the sun. Like a bridegroom, emerge from your chamber, Lord. Like a strong man, enjoy running your course. It emerges from the distant horizon, goes from the end of the sky to the other. Nothing can escape his feet. The law of the Lord is perfect and preserves your life. The rules set down by the Lord are reliable and impart wisdom to the inexperienced. different posture but uh, and it, it's so uh, you're going to understand this but it's the one that we thought was that we were chasing yeah it's chasing us the one we thought we were pursuing is pursuing us it's a change of position uh, of reception and I wonder if this morning you just allow yourself to, just to receive like posture a heart into a receiver mode he's tracking you down because he wants you feels so good to be wanted. To be wanted, to be longed for, to be desired. Come and get us, Lord. We're right here. Oh, I know, says the Lord. Yes, I know. 
I brought you here. I brought you all together. Look at the trees that sway to the glory. 
Might help your sales, but it might not. Oh, we give over our sales to you, God. Blow where you want to go, where you want to go.
So well that you've dug cinder and smoke of a blaze where your feet had once set down, oh ancient of days, and walk a 
again in the garden of my soul. In our nakedness, fear of man, it cannot hide from your voice and split like a veil the heavens lay your head down here with us and bring us unto your threshing floor where it's you who lives not us Deep and 
Psalms 42. As a deer, as a deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. A thirst, a thirst that cannot. thirst that cannot be quenched, Lord. A thirst for you, Lord, for the living God. He said, I, I say, when will I be able to go and appear in God's presence? I cannot eat, he said. I, I weep day and night, all day long. 
they say to me, where is your God? said, I remember and I weep, for I was once walking along with a great throng to the temple of God. I was shouting and giving thanks along with the crowd as we celebrated a holy festival. But he says in his soul, he said, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why are you upset? And then like he exalts this or he shouts it, he says, wait for God. At the beginning today, the word said, tell them it's not too good to be true. Tell them to trust me. Tell them that even in, you know, because many of us, we've been in great meetings and we've seen great moves of God's spirit. You say, I remember back when. I remember those days. But sometimes even out of the great meeting halls that we've been in, they said, why am I dealing with this right now? What am I going through? One of the worst things we can do is get into denial about where we're at as a people. And so we don't need to make a denial this morning. What's upsetting me inside? What's bothering me? And he shouts out, he says, wait. Wait for him. I don't know how many times my wife and I have been in prayer together. And I'd say, wait for him. Just wait for him. I've seen his hand move before. You've seen his hand move before. You've seen him perform miracles. You've seen marvelous things happen. Because God made us for himself. He made us right now in this moment for him. He set up he set up a situation that was outside of your control on purpose. He's placed you in a situation that you can't get out of. And you're like, "Lord, where are you at?" The psalmist says, "Wait for him, wait for him, wait." And my soul says, "I wait and I long for you, Lord." Yeah, by natural standards, everything would be telling you, give up. Don't. He says, I will again give thanks. I will give thanks because I know my God will bring saving intervention into my life. And then he says, I am downcast. So I will pray to you while I am trapped here in the region of the upper Jordan from Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Mount Hermon was the place that Jesus was transfigured. He said, I'll pray to you from the place of even transfiguration. How can this be possible? Because I know this, one deep stream is calling out to another.
is calling out to the sound of the waterfall. My stream's going to mix with your stream, Lord. And I'm calling out to you. David had this happen at Bel Perazim. The Philistines were attacking. You know, and we, Steve and I was talking this week, and last week I said, you know, I wonder what would be the things that they were attacking. And I remember back with David. He didn't, David didn't set the standard in himself. When he dealt with Goliath and the Philistines, I mean, how dare you come? How dare you come and speak against our God? He set the standard in the glory of God. He didn't set the standard right here, and he didn't set the standard in his felt need. He didn't set even the standard in his possible life or all of Israel's life that could be lost. He set the standard in God. I was asking the Lord this week, he's like, look up, just look at me, just look at me. Look at me and wait for me. I'm going to come in like a rushing flood. I'm going to come in and I'm going to deliver. But I want your eyes fixed on me. What's affecting us this morning? Eyes up, eyes on the Lord. Off of my soul, yes, it's, it's saying this, yes, but eyes up on the Lord. All your billows and waves overwhelm me. By day, the Lord decrees his loyal love, and by night, he gives me a song, a prayer to the living God. I'm going to pray to God now from a high ridge. It's okay. Climb up into the high ridge. Into a rock that's higher than I. Climb up into the shelter of the Most High. Just climb, climb, climb. You're my Father. You're a rock that's higher than me, Lord. Just speak to Him. Say to Him. fortress, Lord. You're my safety, Lord. You're my life, Lord. You're my hope, Lord. You're El Shaddai. You're my mountain, Lord. You're my salvation, Lord. All my streams are in you, Lord.
Psalms 92, it is fitting to thank the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Sovereign One. It is fitting to proclaim your loyal love in the morning and your faithfulness during the night. To the accompaniment of ten-stringed instruments and a lyre, to the accompaniment of meditative tone of the harp. For you, O Lord, you made, made me happy by your work. And I will sing for joy because of what you have done. How great are your works, O Lord! Your plans are very intricate. The spiritually insensitive do not recognize this. And the fool does not recognize this. And when the wicked sprout up out of the grass and evildoers glisten, it is because they will be annihilated. But you, O Lord, you reign forever. You reign forever, Lord. I say you reign, Lord. Praise the Lord with me. This is a moment of victory. Greatly are you to be praised, Lord. We've secured a victory.
Every victory that you ever secure in the Lord, every victory. With God, it will be secured before you actually see it manifest itself into the earth. You secure it because you believe it now. Because it's done now. Everything at the cross has already been paid for. So I now I see clearly to him that faith is a title deed hoped for. This objective proof of an unseen reality. Israel knew this. Jesus priest says. I set my eyes on you, Lord. My eyes are fixed on you, Lord. Resurrection is reality now. You're the reality, Lord. You're my reality, Lord.
Amen. Let's jump into the word this morning. I've got a process. I've got something from the Lord, and I want to share it. So if you want to be seated, I've got something to cover with the Lord in, <clears throat> today. As you know, we've been in Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to go back there again this morning, and then and, and what we'll do is we'll start out in, again, in verse 10 and 11, then we're going to, I'm going to lay a foundation with you, and then we're going to go and develop this word, because it's been really powerful for us and reality that we're in as, as a uh, family. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles or your iPhones or Android devices, <laughs> or scroll down or click on, <laughs> so... <laughs> Any text is a pretext without a context. And narrative is really important with the Lord and the way we relate to one another. A lot of times if you get to know someone, it takes a little bit of time for you to tell your story. And, you know, if we're really going to be close to each other, there's time that you have to commit to being known and knowing. And Paul, in this, before he sets up in Philippians 3, 10 and 11, he's wanting us to know something about himself and I think it's really important that you see the context of what Paul is saying in Philippians later on in 3.10 and 11 because he's saying, I had a zeal for God. I was going after the Lord. I mean, hey, it's one thing to not go after God. We have a whole generation like that. But this guy, Paul, he had a zeal for God. He's advancing, he believes he's advancing God's word. And he finds out that the zeal that he has was actually persecuting the, the church. And he says this in verse 8. When it comes to the law, I'm blameless. I want you all to understand something because I don't think many people could actually, and the Holy Spirit would allow them to say, I'm blameless according to the law. I mean, we would all be liars. I've kept all 613 laws, not me, but Paul is saying, I have a zeal, and I'm in a place of blamelessness. I'm walking at the fullest capacity of what I know in before the Lord to do what is right every day. He's that kind of man. And uh, again, the Holy Spirit lets us be placed here in, in the text, I think, for us. And then he says something that's interesting, even though this is an asset to me. I have an asset in the sense that I am blameless according to the law. I've now come to regard my asset as a liability. This thing of trying to be a law keeper has become a liability to me. Y'all know what assets and liabilities are? Everybody in here does. I'm, what he's saying is, is, I thought I was in the black, but I'm actually in the red. I mean, when it comes to, um, I got that C in college on accounting because I thought I didn't need a teacher to teach me accounting, so I thought I'd teach myself. Don't do that on accounting because there's all kinds of, like, ways you put the, your math and stuff, and it doesn't make sense according to the logical mind. And my, my thinking, no offense to any of you who are accountants. I came to find out what an asset is and to come to find out what a liability is. Liability means uh, you owe somebody. An asset means maybe they owe you. <laughs> I don't know. But an asset means you're in the black. 
A liability, you're in the red. He's saying that even if I could keep the law perfectly, it's become a liability to me. See, this mindset that says, this mindset that says, if I could somehow arrive at perfectly keeping every law, and I could get it all right one day, and I could be the perfection of, out of my own ability, be righteous. I somehow, in, in the Christian church, a lot of people have thought that that would somehow be an asset to us. And Paul's saying, basically, he's coming against that mindset and saying, this is not the mindset of the gospel. He's going to show us something different. He's not saying that if I get all this right, I'll somehow be approved of. Do you know what that's called? Pharisaical, self-righteousness, the non-gospel. I've set the standard where? In myself. I've set the standard in me, and now everything has to orient itself around my standard, which is me. I've made my own standard me. And what happens to a person that does that when you set your own self as standard, then if someone else doesn't live up to your, they're out of standard. So now what happens? It separates us. It becomes judgment, and it becomes a a wrong thing because my eyes are now fixed on the wrong thing. I fixed my eyes on me. And so him who is eternal, who is perfect in holiness, I'm not looking at him, I'm looking at me. Paul's attacking this. He's going to tell us I'm attacking this as a false gospel, that I would become the standard of my reality, and therefore everyone else becomes the standard of my reality That is my reality. And so for the man who can keep every single law and blameless, now he's saying, I've come to realize that that's my liability, not my asset. I got my eyes in the wrong place. Why didn't I? I should have. I could have. What am I going to do about it? What am I, 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 I going to do to fix this? What about me? Someone else is, what about you? What about you? And what about you? And what about you? Hits home, does it? And the Lord would say through Paul, stop that. Stop that. You're looking at the wrong object of truth you're looking at the wrong subject of truth you're looking at your own objective truth your own subjective truth which is now set and you stop that that is an enemy of the cross of christ all our problems actually are because of that and so no matter how many no matter in your journey no matter how much you think that one day i'll arrive if i get the 613 laws straightened out Can I go ahead and tell you, even if you were Paul and he got there, you're never going to arrive there. As a believer in the man Jesus Christ, you might as well go ahead and break league with that mindset. I love the gospel. You know why? Because it doesn't set the standard in me anymore. I don't have to be the standard. 
They don't have to be the projection of my mind or my own perception. Doesn't even, that's not what's guiding me every day. No, I need a perception and a projection that comes from him who is eternal. Oh, get a hold of us, Lord, in that. I want your perception. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me, the Lord would say. Look up at me. Stop looking at you. And Paul's saying it. It's a liability to you. It's costing you. It is putting you in the red. I forgive your debts. <laughs> I, took your, I took the stripes for your healing. I paid the price fully at the cross, satisfied for you. It's done. All sin is actually not that. I've got consequences because of my sin. Well, hey, listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ and believe on him. Yes, there's consequences for sin. Believe on the man Jesus Christ and be saved. Be saved right now. Be saved out of what you're going through and what your family's going through. Stop the projection of yourself. Stop letting yourself be the standard. Look at the beautiful cross and the resurrection life that comes out of the cross. Take all of him now. Be done with it. If a man with multiple PhDs, versed in Hebrew, versed in Aramaic, versed in Greek, of the highest order, says it's a liability. And I would say that most of us in here, as far as I know, are not multi-level PhDs. I don't know. Maybe you do have four or five PhDs to your name. I don't know. And versed in multi-languages. Some of you are bilingual, multilingual. I don't really know. But this guy is, if anybody was to be a standard in society, Paul was. And he says, I'm a liability in that way. My greatest value my greatest longing, my greatest heart motivation is to know the Lord. I want him. He's become everything to me. And I'm willing to suffer every loss of everything that I may know him. I'll lose my reputation. I'll lose my look. I'll lose my platform. I'll lose my house. I'll lose my land. I'll lose, I won't try to save face. You know what? I want him. I'm on a journey. And he's everything. He's become my all. If he gives me something, fine. If he doesn't, fine. I count everything as a loss that I may know him. I want him. I want you, Lord. It doesn't matter if you're a pessimist or an optimist. I want the Lord. I just want you, Lord. Listen, I don't even I don't even want to I don't even necessarily want to know how healing works or the gospel or anything. I just want you. I don't want an antidote to you, Lord. I 
want you. I want you for your own sake. I want you for your own sake if I don't even get anything out of it because you're worthy. That's what I want. I want your glory irregardless of my redemption. I want your glory to be seen. I want it to be set like that. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of like working an angle for my own antidote, my own silver bullet. When I, instead of antidote, I want sacrament. I want Christ in me, the hope of glory. Yeah, hey, let's set the standard where the standard is in the man, Jesus Christ. Let's put him right where he is in our heart. And let's worship him. I don't want a concept anymore. I don't want a program. I don't, I've heard it all. I've done it all. I've preached it all. I've said it all. I've said about all I could say. And then we have Jesus. We want you, Lord. And we want your glory. I don't want you because I get some kind of power dimension. No. 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 I don't want that either. I want you. Everything is liability. Everything else is liability. Everything is trying to interfere with my mind and get into my consciousness. And it's, it's, it's creating a problem for me. It's trying to wrap me into another concept. I don't want it. I just want the Lord. You know, he said to me this morning, I was like, it's too good to be true. I want you. He's like, no, I want you. <laughs> That's not even right, Lord. You don't, why me? You see what I am? I want you. Tell them it's not too good to be true. Is the greatest human longing in the heart is to be wanted. I'm telling you. Not just to be needed, but to be longed for. You see, somebody sees you and they just, oh, man, I can't wait to be around you. You bring the whole day to me. You make my day. Last week, we left the meeting and, and we went out to eat. And Kara and I just had two of our older girls with us. And Elizabeth and Lydia and they said, uh, Elizabeth asked me this about a year ago. She said, and Lydia, do you know this word sonder? And I said, no, I don't, I don't know that word. And they said, well, uh, I had been thinking about the context of these meetings and what's going on. I asked the Holy Spirit, I, I was like, what's your S word today? Yeah. <laughs> We've had all these S's coming through, and it's a really beautiful thing, and it's one day, maybe I could tell the story of, of what's going on. But I said, well, do you know what that means, Daddy? And I said, I don't really understand sonder. I've never heard that word. And I don't know. How many of you have heard that word sonder? Um, I think it has like a German root, but it's a fairly actually new word in our society. But the girls had picked this up. And so I looked it up and Sonder means the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and as complex as your own. 
And, um, and Lydia was telling me that what happens to her is like 15 seconds or 30 seconds, she'll break into Sonder. Elizabeth said, yeah, it's sort of like a flash comes into you and you realize this person, the depth of a person's life and then it closes back off. And I, I don't know if you've had this experience. And, and they were trying to, they kept trying to help me with it. And I was sitting there thinking, I think I've lived most of my life self-absorbed. <laughs> I didn't even know how to commit Sonder. <laughs> I was just thinking my life was so complex. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> And amazing, you know, this is my life, you know. I was like, oh, Jesus, what is he, what are these girls doing, you know. <laughs> and a child shall lead them. <laughs> now I'm being a little hard on myself. I have had these experiences, but maybe not as frequent as my daughters are. They're delving into another person's life, snapshotting them, closing back in. They, they've had Sonder, and they see into a person, and uh, have discernment. Elizabeth's really good at this, actually, and um, she's a bit of a writer, and I've got to read some of her writing, and there's this depth behind it, like multi-layer depth. I said, I didn't even know that you knew that, or how to think like that, or feel like that, but she could just see multi-layers down, and just perceive um, so beautifully into other in environments, and said things, and I read on, it says, that other people are populated with their own ambitions, friends, routines, worries, inherited craziness, an epic story that continues invisibly around you like an anthill sprawling deep underground with elaborate passageways to thousands of other lives and you'll never even know existed, in which you might appear only once as an, an extra sipping coffee in the background as a blur of traffic passing on a highway, as a lighted window at dusk. And while they were talking to me, the Lord said, you have your next word for last week. And I said, how, how so? He said, what of my own glory? That's higher than the heavens. I actually created them and the earth that's not just above ground that he's living his own life he said I'm living my own life that's more vivid and complex than your own and I said oh man do you see the problem if we can't even have Sonder down here how are we ever going to have Sonder up there? He's like, it begins here. It begins with not being so self-absorbed. That's just the beginning. I'm working out the self-life by the power of this gospel. If you're the standard, then you can't even have Sonder, really. Your self-absorption is so high that you can't even see into another much less to wait on me. I'm living a life, a resurrected life, right now in the heavens, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, living a life, oh, 
the real life. Not just eternal life, but the one who is eternal, who is eternal, the one who is eternity himself. I'm living a life. I would like for you to commit some sonder with me. Stop setting the standard in your own glory. Or even in the greatest glory that you've ever seen manifest in the earth. For my glory. I want some sonder with me. I said, oh man. Lord. We've... He said, right. You've got so low. Sin took y'all down so far. It's got you plagued with. Susanna, she's so funny. She says, man, that 80s style, that is happening. <laughs> I said, honey, it's not what you think. She's romanticizing the 80s. And I'm like, it's not what you think. What about the 50s? I was like, I went around. But, but I got me some 50s glasses. But still, I mean, some of y'all were around. But hey, that was really cool. I mean, she, she's looking and said, the, the 50s were cool, Dad. The 80s are amazing. I mean, the styles and everything. I just want to be like in the 80s. And I said, I was there. It's not what you think. <laughs> yeah, the big hair teased up. You know, the uh, neon colors and everything. You know, this idea, this idea though, that, that if she could find herself back in time, and uh, now most all of us were there, we say, no, Susanna, no, 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 no. But she set a standard back in the 80s that that must have been when it was happening. Well, I mean, it was cool, but it's not that cool. Though you think, you know, like Susanna, God would say, Susanna, look up at me. Get out of Pinstagram. Pinterest, Instagram, it's called a portmanteau when you just take two words and put them together. Just make it simple. <laughs> Where are you setting your standard in your selfie? Set your standard and the one who is eternal. Hey, because everybody's a redneck to somebody. <laughs> Karen told me, said this week, said, who do you think's a redneck? I said, anybody that's not on hot pursuit for Jesus. I'm just saying <laughs> that they're committing sonder with the wrong people. <laughs> Why not set sonder in the glory of God? Why not? It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it's the glory of a king to search it out. Lord, would you in 15 seconds of time or 30 seconds, I don't know if you've noticed this about the Lord, You'll be just going through life doing usually a humble task. You might be sweeping a floor, taking the trash out, going to clean the bathroom, take care of something, whatever, put gas in the car. And all of a sudden, if your attentiveness is to him, all of a sudden, I don't know, it happens to me all the time. When I'm not thinking, all of a sudden, there he is, there he is. And a brief little expanse opens up, and then you want to be like absorbed. Stop everything. Saunders happening with the one who is uncreating and eternal. I don't want to get so busy. I don't want to get so focused into this 
that I miss it. I'm going to set my heart to wait on him. That's what the psalmist was saying this morning in 42. He's saying, I, I'm, I want this to happen between me and you. I'm living for this next moment. I've, I've got to have this. And the beautiful thing about the Godhead is when Sonder is committing with him, you know what happens? It literally transforms you. There's a transformation with him because he's been a factor He'll give you his own divine nature right there in that moment. You'll receive him. You don't just get an experience. You get him. I release my life to you, and he says, and I'll give you mine. I love this. It's called double imputation to be technical. Technically, double imputation means I'm going to impute my righteousness in the place of your sin. And I'm going to take your debt and give you my reward. Paul's going to get into this, and this is what I was wanting to get in. The Lord's wanting to get this into me so I can get it, get into it. I want you to be in a mode of a receiver. Paul, said, Paul says this, and he goes on, he says this uh, later on. I've said it, verse 10, I've set my aim to know him. Not my aim for all these other things. I've just made my aim. I've I got one pursuit. Listen, hey, believer, there, you shouldn't have an alternative pursuit in your life at all. Marital bliss, it's wonderful. A nice home, it's great. More property, fine. Newer this, great. More people like you, fine. It shouldn't be your aim. One aim. He said, I've set it. I've set. Today when we were in worship, the Lord said, y'all are set. Uh, after we had broke in there and then we, you felt it. You could feel like a vacancy hit us. Fine. That's an exposure. It's to expose what we place our trust in. It is fine. Fine. But he said, they're set. Now, he brings an exposure, a vacancy. Don't back off right there. That's when you begin to praise. I've learned it. I've learned. Once the vacancy sets up, no, no, now, move in. Now, 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 I'm going after him. I'm going in hot pursuit. My aim is to know you. My aim is to have Sonder with you. He says, I want to experience the power of resurrection to share in your suffering and to be like you in your death. To say I want to be like Jesus in his death, let me tell you something. He's completely exposed. A guy's going to uh, put a spear in his side. They're all going to misunderstand him. All his buddies are going to betray him except one and his mama. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You want to be like him in his death? Allow yourself to be fully exposed. All your buddies to betray you. You understand? And to pray for them. Let someone else point out something that what on you and you intercede on their behalf. You don't push back. To be like him in his death is the most beautiful character quality a human could ever have. I've been shamed, I've been taught bad about, fully exposed, look bad, and I say, bless him, Lord. Oh, I yeah. Paul saying, I want character like that. I want to be like him. 
I'm not, I'm not set it in some kind of char- uh, character formation in my own perspective. I just want to be like him. But then he says this interesting thing. He says, I, and so somehow, maybe just so, I, I hope I can, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And I presented this a few weeks ago on uh, Easter Sunday. There's two different Greek words here. The first resurrection is anastasis. The second resurrection here that he's speaking of is ek anastasin. And uh, Tom McManus brought this to my attention. And I just was like, I'm digging until I get satisfied in this. And I couldn't get satisfied until I got into the Greek. And when I got into the suffixes in the Greek on this, and it's really important that you hear this, that the first resurrection in the Greek on the suffix, the suffix in, in the work an, anastasis, is set in the genitive case. And you say, oh, Carol, you're over my head. Just hear me out. And a genitive case means to possess or to own. But ek anastasin, the second use in the Greek, anastasin, the n on the end there in the suffix, it means to receive. It's set in the accusative case. It's a different posture. One of them is I'm in hot pursuit. My aim. The other one is if somehow I could receive. Sometimes it's easier to give than to receive, isn't it? You you still have a little bit of a handle on it. You can still own it a little bit. But to just be in receiver mode, it's tough. It can be humiliating sometimes. Just to be in a constant state of, I don't know what I can do. Everything I live for is for you. I'm just holding my heart like this. I can't do anything for myself. I will do nothing to affect myself. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm not going to make it happen. I'm just going to wait on you. So I I went on, I looked up ek, and I found this 400 and something page paper on Greek prepositions. And I found on page 196 to 199 the word ek, ek anastasin. And it means this, this is the best translation of ek that this person wrote. Ek means an initial moment, is that right? in a lapse of time. So Stephen and I went over this. Ek means an initial moment in a lapse of time. I think if you see this about how the standard of God works, which we had looked at later on in Philippians 3, he says, and this is the standard that you have already attained. This is important because you got to take Paul saying, I'm counting all this other way as a liability. Okay, if you're not going to do the liability mode, okay, I'm not going to set myself as a standard. I'm going to set Jesus as my standard. So I'm not going to do it that way. I'm not trying to get more uh, discipline and more habit patterns on more character development and all that. If you're gonna, and I'm not going to get my approval from all that. And I'm going to say that's my liability. Well, then there has to be 
a resurrection. <laughs> there has to be another way to live life. There has to be. Because if I'm going to set all that aside, and I can't justify myself and justify my existence, and I'm going to be fully exposed now, and I'm going to go that route, there has to be a mechanism for this to work out. And, and what, what he's saying is, is I'm going to posture my heart to receive. And in an initial moment, in a momentary time, within my space time, within the lapse of time, you're going to intervene. And I've set my whole heart for that intervention. Wait for him. Wait for him. Wait for him. Wait. Wait, I say, wait, wait for him. Is he going to come? I don't know. Do you see anything? Not yet. Wait for it. Wait for him. Wait for him. I see it. I, I see it. It's like a man with a hand. It don't look much like a cloud to me. It looks like a little cloud is a man's hand. Wait. Run, the rain's coming, you know. <laughs> because God would have it to be this way. He would have you and I and Paul, he'd have our eyes to be so lifted up into the heavens. And then he would say, watch them, watch them, watch them. They're looking at me, okay. No, they're looking back at the other thing, okay. The thing that's supposed to bring you, you know, whatever you're trusting in. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Back on me, back on me, back on me. Okay, okay, they're watching, they're watching, they're watching. It says in Philippians 4.18, it says, I love, excuse me, not Philippians, Romans 4.18, it says, and Abram hoped against hope. Do you know what the difference is? I've, I've said this before, but you know what the difference is when you study that in the Greek? One hope that he had, he sets it in the direct object. One of the direct objects of Abram's hope was Sarah's womb. The other hope was God himself. And when Abram's fixation was on God himself, Sarah, pregnant. The standard is him. I want Sonder with you. I want perception. I want your perception. Hey, you guys know how perception with someone and your perception, how sometimes they collide. Anybody else had that happen? You know, well, that's my perception. Well, that's my perception. We better uh, pray together. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God washes in, and he has his own perception. Yeah, well, it was because of your mom and daddy. No, it was because of their mom and daddy. It's because you didn't have a daddy. You know, I mean, it's because, what it, but, uh, it's because of what you did and what they did. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Set your aim. Look at me, the Lord said. And I will, I will spring forth. You know, as Stephen was seeing it earlier, the wind of the Spirit is going whatever way. He pleases. You can't dwell and fixate and place him into some kind of perception and 
put him into some kind of mold or back him into a corner. The Spirit of God's going to do what the Spirit of God wants to do. It says in Scripture that the Lord sits in the heavens and does whatever he pleases. <laughs> hey, he's in charge. Well, since you are in charge, Father, I just want to see what you're doing. I won't saunder with the Lord. And since you're the standard and I'm not, I want to set my heart on you. So my, my thing isn't anymore to like build a business. My thing isn't anymore to try to fix this relationship. My thing isn't anymore to try to uh, get rid of this sickness or to figure out what I'm going to wear. My thing is, this isn't my thing. My thing is you. Okay, you're not a thing. You're a person. You're my person. I want a full connection. I don't want any more disconnection. Then set me as your standard. I want moments of Sandra where you break in. And you break through and you reveal yourself. And you illuminate my understanding. I want the living water to flow. I want life to break out. I'll give you water, he said to the woman at the well. I'll give you water. Water, water. And it will shall never end. Hey, come and see the man who told me everything I've ever done wrong. Nobody does that nobody he was such a safe God that you could come to him because neither do I condemn you go and sin no more be free be liberated be liberated I'm paying for this I'm going to cover the cost for you I got it I got it what you couldn't do for yourself I'll do for you I'm going to take care of it just come unto me you who are weak and heavy laden and I will give you perpetual and eternal rest it's over with I'm not striving to get into something I have you now now what are we going to do I don't know who cares yeah well he'll leave you no he won't he says I will never leave you nor forsake you he's going to abandon you again and leave you in high and dry. That wasn't him. I was the one who left. I got back into my own space of things. It wasn't him that left me. I left him. He'll never leave. I'll take all my manipulations and set them to the side. And I'm going to take all my controls and I'm going to say, hey, will y'all stand with me? I'm going to put my hands out and say, hey, I'm a receiver. The Holy Spirit, even now, release.
Listen, hear this. Hear, hear this from the Lord. Don't listen to a lie of the enemy. I'll leave this place and he won't be with me. No. Don't listen to that lie. Yeah, but what, what when I get into that conflict that's invariably going to come, it's going to throw me out. Or what about that problem that I'm facing? This is a way the enemy wants to get us in a wrong mind. The Lord would say, stop looking at it. Just look at me. You can be in the middle of the storm and he's with you. 
What about the way they think about me? Who cares? My eyes are on you. How are we going to take care of that? Who cares? My eyes are on him. I'm a receiver. I'm a receiver. And you always come through, Lord. You always break in. I'm the God of the breakthrough. I'm the breakthrough God. God who takes away the sins of the world who takes the way the sins of the world just receive that you don't have to understand it receive it come together for communion.
Take of the sacrament, right? Jesus wanted us to see that we're going to take him as an anecdote. We're going to take him as his self. We've been, we've been in this culture right now that's so anecdotal. Trying to solve a crisis, a crown virus, a coronavirus, and what we've been going through culturally has been really been challenging a lot of people. And I think Jesus would say, it's not the anecdote that's going to solve this problem, only me. I've allowed a crown reaper to come forward to expose that you need the crown, the one I'm wanting to give to you, Isaiah 61. I want to give you a crown. I want to give you a garment of praise for the spirit of happiness. I want to give you the oil of gladness that I have that's above all my fellows. I want to just give it to you. Stop trying to throw me off a cliff when all I want to do is give you all of me. He's not, God's not stingy with himself. And so when we, when we take this, we're saying, I'm not trying to find an anecdote to solve a problem so that I don't have to be near you. No, I'm saying I'll take you sacramentally. I want all of you. For I want, I want to give you that kind of glory by giving you my whole self. And that's why we, we remember. Because it's my whole life. I, I pledge my whole life to you. I'm going to take my hands off of my, me and just pledge my whole self to you right now. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. So he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. physical healing issues this morning you're dealing with physical ailments in your body remember this make sure that you're in a place of forgiveness with others don't hold anything in your heart against anybody that you have physical issue in your body just raise your hand in the name of Jesus we ask you Lord right now release healing release healing right now Lord we thank you for your body Lord it's broken for us and we know, Lord, that you're the great physician and healer. We trust you right now for healing. Release your healing through your body. Thank you, Lord. And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I receive your life. I receive your life in replacement of mine. I receive your reward, Lord. I receive you as my greatest treasure. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today.
his promised bride and I'm destined to wear white and my chest is full of hope and a dress and veil as snow and he said he'd come for me he'd know when I'm ready and my heart is aching for the coming Desire. 